Good morning. Oh, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> so I actually love being in Newcomb Hall. How about anyone out there love being in Newcomb Hall? Yes. I love it. So I'm Althea Brooks, and I'm Senior Director of Lifetime Learning in the Office of Engagement. It's a pleasure to welcome you to More Than the Score this morning. Um, can you see me okay? <laughs> Turn up the volume. How's that? I'll try to talk a little closer into the microphone. So welcome. Um, our partners uh, for more than a score is the Alumni Association, and they provide us great space. Um, so when we're not at Alumni Hall, we're normally here at Newcomb Hall. Uh, so thanks for being with us this morning. Um, special thanks to the Lifetime Learning team who works uh, so hard on putting together more than the score. We begin in about April and planning uh, more than the score. And lately, I have faculty that call me in the fall, like now, saying, can I be on more than the score next year? So that's a, that's a real privilege to have faculty looking, out, uh, at, looking at this program and wanting to be a part of it. So special thanks to Dana Mays, Mary Lynn Musser, Susan Lynch, Keandra Morris, and the entire Office of Engagement team who helps us put together these lecture series. We have the privilege of having, my microphone's now cooperating here this morning, we have the privilege of having Alice Rusher, uh, the architect of the university, with us this morning, and um, I'll introduce her in just a few minutes. If you would, go ahead and power down your microphone, um, your uh, cell phones. <laughs> Go ahead and turn it off for the hour and uh, be here with us. Special thanks to two sponsors who saw the need and provided us funding um, to help support the refreshments that you had this morning, the coffee and the great uh, uh, breads and, and fruits. So thank you, uh, sponsors. They uh, asked to remain anonymous. So I wanted to at least shout out to them. I know one's here with us today, so thank you so much. If you would, um, when you receive the electronic um, surveys, if you'll take a moment and fill that out for us, it really does help us plan our future more than the SCORE programs. So thank you. Now, let me introduce our speaker for the morning. Alice Rauscher is the architect for the University of Virginia. She oversees the university-wide land use and campus planning projects. She advises the Board of Visitors on the development of the university's capital planning and design guidelines. Alice oversees the architectural design of all capital projects and provides professional guidance on selection of consultants associated with the planning and building and landscape projects. Alice oversees the renovation and restoration of the university's historical structures and works with the university advancement office on the Jeffersonian grounds initiatives to enable thoughtful stewardship of the academical village. Alice previously served as senior architect, uh, major project planner, and chair of the design steering team for Yale University. Before joining Yale University, Alice held senior positions at notable architecture firms based in New York City and managed several significant restoration and renovation projects. 
She also held faculty positions at New York Institute of Technology, School of, the Archi- School of Architecture and Design, uh, and at Syracuse University School of Architecture, including serving as director of the school's Florence program in Italy. <coughs> Alice earned a bachelor's degree in studio art and art history from Queens College of the City University of New York. She earned her master's in architecture from Syracuse University School of Architecture. She's a, she is a registered architect in New York, Connecticut, and Virginia. She holds an NCARB certification. Alice is a member of the American Institute of Architects, the Association of University Architects, and holds uh, leadership in the Energy and Environmental Design Certification. Please help me thank and welcome Alice Rauncher to more than the school. Thank you very much. Whoa. Think that's a little too loud? Is that or is that good? Wow. All right. Well, it's very loud. Can you lower it just a smidge? Perfect, thank you. Um, so the title of this talk is, What Do the Cavalier Inn, Brandon Avenue, and U-Haul Have in Common? But really, I know what's on your mind is, what the heck is going on around here? <laughs> For those of you who heard my talk when I was a second year, uh, you may remember that I made some observations about UVA's unique culture as a newcomer. And I'm proud to say that in the span of a mere four and a half years, I am fully immersed in all things UVA. But seriously, as an introduction, um, I am now in my fifth year as architect for the university, and we've had some great support uh, from the university and the surrounding communities uh, and to do some of the incredible projects that I'm going to share with you today. And I joined an office of professionals whose mission we take very seriously, which is the stewardship, as Althea mentioned, the stewardship of our grounds, not only in the restoration and, and maintenance of our historic core, but also in the design of our new structures. Uh, In our office, we are a lean and mean team. Uh, We have separate disciplines of architecture, landscape architecture, historic preservation, to name a few. But there's not one project where all of us don't participate in some way. We have a very integrated group, which ensures that not one discipline takes precedence over the other. And because we are just 15, we we reach out and we we collaborate with a lot of of our colleagues across grounds, from facilities management, parking and transportation, the provost's office, et cetera. Not good seats for you. Maybe you need to move. Sorry. (laughs) It's my husband. I can say that to him. Um, and we also have key framework studies that are uh, posted on our website. So if you go to our website, which is officearchitect.virginia.edu, you'll see some of these uh, major um, land use studies as well as a lot of the master planning studies that I'll be sharing with you today. And just to give you a little sense of how busy we are in the office, this is a sampling of some of our projects. So not only do we have a lot of planning uh, and capital projects uh, on our boards, but we also participate in a lot of external relations uh, with the Art and, Arch- Art and Architectural Review Board, um, the Thomas Jefferson Planning uh, District Commission, etc., which really keeps us involved in our surrounding communities. So. 
Back to the question at hand, what do the Cavalier Inn, Brandon Avenue, and U-Haul uh, have in common? And the answer to that question is that they are all part of a strategic planning initiative uh, that we are engaged in in our office. And uh, you, know, you may wonder why is that, what is uh, strategic planning? Well, this uh, diagram represents about 1,200 contiguous acres of UVA grounds. So everything shaded in green is what we call uh, our grounds. And we got to those 1,200 acres over the last 200 years. So we started, of course, with uh, the initial 40 acres from Mr. Jefferson's university with a cohesive planned uh, core at the, uh, at the lawn um, with the rotunda. And over the next 200 years, we grew, sometimes opportunistically, sometimes um, speculatively. But uh, what, uh, over the period of time, especially with the advent of the automobile, we grew without thinking about how to connect various parts of grounds to make them more walkable, more bikeable, etc. So we were dependent on the car in a lot of ways to get around grounds. And so in 2008, our office conducted uh, and published the Grounds Plan, which is a framework plan that looks at various land use propositions around grounds and looks at ways of making grounds a little more connected. So what you see up here, uh, shaded with North Grounds and Athletics and the Amadibi Corridor, are some land use planning studies we currently have going on around grounds in order to, as I mentioned, make the grounds more walkable and not be dependent on um, the automobile for those connections. So over the past four years, we've had uh, the great success of, being, um, of, of uh, presenting and getting approval for may, many of these um, master planning efforts. In addition to land use studies, we've looked at ways of using these properties and in some cases developing actual capital projects that I'll be sharing with you today, um, such as the ones you see highlighted, the softball stadium, the hotel and conference center, and all the way down to student health and wellness and Bond House, which is our latest uh, student residential building on Brandon Avenue. So while the Cavalier Inn has top billing uh, in the title, I'm going to start with the furthest south location at uh, Brandon Avenue and explain the two projects that are located uh, there, Student Health and Wellness on the, and Bond House. So back in 2016, <clears throat> we were beginning to, in a way, develop uh, Brandon Avenue, which was a city street in an ad hoc manner, Many, meaning we would you know, find a uh, parking lot and you know, think about what could be built on it. So we took a step back, especially since it's strategic location. It's located uh, right, in, right uh, adjacent to central grounds in between the health system and the academical um, village and other academic buildings, as you can see, in a five-minute walk and a 10-minute walk from the lawn and south lawn. So it was a strategic location. And you can see here, oops, let's see if the pointer works. Here is, um, here's the lawn in the rotunda, and here's South Lawn, JPA, and here is Brandon Avenue. And you can see all these uh, blank areas were surface parking lots. So a strategic location without a cohesive master plan. So what we did, working with consultants Perkins and Will, we thought about uh, making the connection from the lawn and South Lawn and arranging buildings around a cohesive center so that 
much in the way the lawn is constructed around the, around the green. The, the buildings are supported by the green. The green is supported by the buildings. They are inextricably linked. We think about master planning in much the same way. So we thought about uh, devi developing a working landscape, which, which is the central green median, which is actually stormwater biofiltration and um, maintenance, so that uh, if Brandon Avenue is considered a ridge, this green space is a working landscape preventing all stormwater from either going down to uh, an existing stormwater pond or the Valley Road um, neighborhood, which is just to the west of it. So this is the same plan turned 90 degrees. So the lawn and the rotunda are up here. This is uh, Old Capel Hall, as you can see. Uh, yeah, Old Capel Hall, as you see here. And uh, what we thought about is making this median. So this is a one-way loop around Brandon Avenue, and we started thinking about what other uh, buildings would go around this, this project, around the, around the green. So this was from our map plan. So diagrammatically, we knew that Bice House was existing, and we thought about developing student residential area around here so that it would form a student neighborhood, and it would be smaller scale adjacent to the historic residential neighborhood of the Valley Road neighborhood. The areas in purple are considered, uh, are planned to be academic buildings, and then this blue building is um, what we proposed for the student health and wellness building since it was adjacent to the health system. So you'll see as we develop this a little further, it's changed a little slightly after we started programming the buildings themselves, but this is a computer rendering of what Brandon Avenue's master plan would look like. So this is uh, now a uh, fully constructed bond house, Bice House, which was an existing student residential building. We're currently in design for what we call Brandon II at the moment, since it's not yet designed, built, or named. Uh, South Lawn and new and old Cabell Halls with the Student uh, Health and Wellness Center in the foreground. So you really can see that there's this continuity of grounds into this area that was formerly a city street. And this is the uh, site under construction with Bond House in the foreground. And if you go down to Brandon Avenue now, you'll see a lot of activity in this area for the student health and wellness. It's quite a transformation if you get a chance to go down there. So this is what we were faced with. This is you know, a shot of uh, pre-existing Brandon Avenue before demolition began. A lot of cars, a lot of surface parking lots, not necessarily a very uh, you know, commodious uh, area to walk as a pedestrian. And this was the vision for the working landscape, the green median, giving the name of the green street to this master plan, and the idea of uh, extending ground so that it may not feel exactly like the same architecture, but there's a sense of uh, the interconnection between landscape and buildings and uh, brick sidewalks using our standard light fixtures, etc. And this was uh, a little further down the street. You may remember uh, uh, the, I think, the 400 block of Brandon Avenue, which was a very low-scaled residential building that was going down the hill. And this was our rendering for Bond House, which you can now see under construction. But again, it's meant to be very open, transparent ground floor, very student active, very pedestrian and bicycle friendly. So this is now uh, an aerial shot. We had um, 
uh, a drone come out a couple of uh, weeks ago just to show the, uh, this under construction. So this is the green street, which will be landscaped and planted to be very lush, but it's still a working landscape. Bond House is now home to 311 or so students, um, second-year students primarily. And now Bice House was once kind of a, a, a singular tower, now feels like it's part of an integrated student neighborhood. And so we make these connections through the green fingers, if you will. So there's, um, we're making uh, an improved uh, intersection from McIntyre along Ruppel Drive to Brandon Avenue. There'll be a green accessible connection from South Lawn down to the Green Street. There'll be uh, another connection from this paved but treed area we call the Bosque, where we'll be able to have food trucks for the students. And then this is the quad that is a green space adjacent to new student health and wellness that connects down to the health system. We did know that there's not a lot of green space uh, for the health system. So this allows there to be a little bit more of you know, green open space and allows various ways of moving through grounds without necessarily going on, this, on the streets. So this is a view of uh, the Student Health and Wellness Center. You may be familiar with the Elson Student Health Center, which is on the corner of JPA and Brandon Avenue. Uh, after a lot of programming studies, that building was really, um, had really outgrown, or the program had out outgrown the building. And so this is now a much different building. While it's still a place where students will go to get you know, um, to get well, to get their flu shots, et cetera. It's much more focused on student wellness um, and education. There'll be a teaching kitchen. Uh, there'll be um, um, other uh, open social spaces which will activate the street so that uh, in addition to going for the highest levels of sustainability as we do on all our projects, this building is much more focused on student wellness and uh, uses a term, um, we use a term called biophilia, which is the human's innate need for connection to the outdoors. And this was, these were tenants that were uh, utilized when we thought about designing the building so that all the rooms have uh, a great deal of sunlight and access to the exterior. This is a major lobby which will be connecting Monroe Lane to Brandon Avenue. And all these spaces, at least these here in the social spaces in the lobby, will be open for the students uh, late into the night for studying and social spaces. So they'll have alternatives of places to go if they don't want to go to the corner. And this is just a, um, a rendering shot of what the building looks like. Uh, in connection with um, Bice House. So this will be, this uh, student health and wellness building, as I mentioned, is under construction and will be occupied, uh, what are we, now? this is two, 20, 2021. So hopefully by January, February 2021, this will be um, in operation. So the Emmett Ivy card, you may have heard a lot about this in the last uh, couple of years. Um, President Ryan's strategic plan lists the open grounds at the Emmett Ivy corridor as one of the key initiatives of his strategic plan. Um, and, and the reason why that is, we're zooming in a little bit closer to the, um, to the site, is that this is 14 and a half acres that sits not only at a major intersection of Emmett, Ro Emmett Street and Ivy Road, but it also is 
uh, geographic center. While the lawn and the rotunda will always be the heart and soul of the university, geographically, this 14-and-a-half-acre parcel is incredibly important strategically with all the um, academic buildings uh, located in north grounds and then in central grounds. So the key to this parcel and why it makes it so strategic is not only its location, but the fact that it's, in a way, impenetrable, that uh, uh, up until very recently, there were uh, no ways of kind of getting around it. And so if you see, if you accept that blue is the pedestrian uh, walkways and orange are bike lanes, you can see essentially that the hole in the donut for development is the Ivy Corridor, this parcel, and athletics, so that you really um, uh, cannot get around to North Grounds except by going very far out of your way. So uh, what we thought about as we were coming up with a master plan is how do we make a rational set of of streets and roadways that allow that continuity to just weave it into the city and into grounds. So this was from our master plan. And as you can see, it took uh, a whole series of curb cuts uh, previously. There were about 11 or so curb cuts here, reduced it down to three, and then developed a number of pathways that would connect even uh, up and over the railroad bridges. Now, again, this is our master planning ideas. Um, but in a way that it would weave uh, this whole area back into grounds and make it traversable by a pedestrian. So this was the site previously with uh, the Cavalier Inn right here. This, was, this is the existing 1,200 car parking garage and the existing daylit stream. And two of the things we, we thought about on this site were that the stream and the uh, garage are both amenities. And so... Uh, and so we worked with those two ideas and came up with a master plan. Now, uh, the Cavalier Inn has been down for a little over a year now, but it's kind of amazing to see and to be reminded about how imposing this structure was for a very long time. This was the vision that we had about opening up the corner and allowing that corner green to work uh, Co- cooperatively with uh, Cars Hill Field, Nameless Field, and um, uh, the IRC, the International Residential College, across the way to form a much broader civic space. So even though it's not considered necessarily a gateway to the university, it certainly provides a marked entrance uh, and denotes a certain change in uh, urbanism as you move up to the rotunda, which you can see we've judiciously uh, cleared some trees just so you can see the rotunda. (laughs) Excuse me. And if you think nothing changes here at the institution, you know, uh, in a relatively short period of time, we've had a beautiful field of clover planted here. Um, and as we move forward with our designing and our construction, this is now um, the site, and it's pretty remarkable. This is still in, you know, taken last spring, the idea that you will be able to see the rotunda uh, as the trees um, come down, as, as the leaves come down. And this is a, uh, a design rendering to show what the open corner will actually look like. We've done a lot of hydrological studies over a period of time and discovered that there was a, there's a great deal of stormwater that needs to be uh, stored on this site. So rather than just a planted green, we'll, we're going to be having a, um, a stormwater pond, not unlike uh, the stormwater facility at the Dell. 
So the other thing that uh, is hinder was hindering um, connectivity is the fact that you really can't get around uh, this railroad embankment here. So working with the city of Charlottesville, uh, we, we helped them put, put forth a proposal, which they were successful in getting $12.1 million from VDOT, uh, from the state, administered through VDOT, to uh, do a lot of streetscape improvements. So over the next couple of years, you're going to see uh, we're going to be undergrounding a lot of the utilities, and they're going to be constructing a tunnel through the railroad embankment for a shared-use um, path that will serve bicycles and pedestrians. So stay tuned, the, the streetscape here is going to be quite remarkable, which is going to turn uh, this condition that you see without uh, dedicated bike lanes, not a very commodious walk for, um, for pedestrians, into this view, which will be dedicated bike lanes, planted tree verges or tree lawns, both on Emmett Street and Ivy Road, and a wide multimodal uh, pathway. You can also see through the trees over here are steps. We're going to be uh, raking back the topography, the steep hill uh, from the in, uh, that leads up to the International Residential Colleges. So there'll be a pedestrian stair that links uh, up to the IRC as well. So as I mentioned, uh, this is now the latest uh, framework plan. We've moved the daylighted stream to the center, so not unlike Brandon Avenue, this is a working landscape. Uh, we will be storing a great deal of stormwater in major uh, rain events for the surrounding neighborhoods so that hopefully, well, not hopefully, Airmouth Street will not flood with this capacity. Um, and uh, we've developed these city-sized blocks, city-scaled blocks for development so that these now, not unlike the lawn, are organizing the landscape and the landscape is organizing the buildings. Um, one of the major uh, proposals was that we wanted to screen the garage as well. So we're, uh, we're proposing, we're building around the garage and we did multiple programming studies to, de to determine what program needs to be uh, immediately accessible to parking versus other uh, buildings like academic facilities which would not necessarily need direct access per, uh, to parking. So last year when President Ryan arrived, he charged uh, a group of faculty and other stakeholders across grounds um, uh, to serve on the Emmett Ivy Task Force. And that task force's report is also housed on our website if you care to read the uh, entire report. But the basic principles is, are that these, this uh, parcel is uh, to be open, very diverse, open to the community, and shared use so that buildings are not going to uh, belong to any particular department or school at the, at the university. So what this diagram represents is yellow is all shared use space. So that refers not only to the green spaces around here, but also to the hotel, and that every part of every building would be open, um, if not 24-7, pretty close to it, to make this a very active, uh, uh, pedestrian-focused uh, area. The other thing it, it mentioned is the desire for the development of three nexuses, the creativity and experimental arts nexus, which is uh, colored in pink here, the discovery nexus, and the democracy nexus. And these areas in gray are still for future growth of the university. 
So what came out of that specifically is that the School of Data Science, which is a new school uh, that was you know, voted on by the state and by the faculty this uh, past fall, will be located in the Discovery Nexus, and this is the first site uh, to be developed, along with the UVA Hotel and Conference Center. There was a hospitality task force that President Sullivan charged that asked us to look at whether, uh, once the Cavalier Inn came down, whether there was a need for hospitality and conference services on this site. And the answer was a resounding yes. Uh, we have a very specific um, market here. The site is incredibly located. As I mentioned, it's geographically in the center of grounds. And uh, we are now moving forward with the design of this hotel and conference center, as well as the School of Data Science. So if Althea invites me back uh, in, a, in a year or two, I'll be able to share specifically what those buildings look like. So this is the design uh, of, the green, of the green space, the linear green. In this view, we're looking uh, east towards arts grounds. Uh, and this, this building over on the left will be the new hotel and conference center still to be designed. No, it's not all glass. <laughs> And then this is that same view looking um, west, where uh, this building will be the School of Data Science. But it's just meant to show how uh, you know, it is a real landscape-focused, pedestrian-focused environment. We're hoping that it will have a variety of different uses, um, restaurants, cafes, uh, study spaces, maker spaces that make that ground floor very transparent and very busy. Um, I also just wanted to say that it's uh, similarly scaled to the lawn, but while the lawn is you know, a landscape that's high and dry, this landscape is, is low and wet. We're about, uh, let's see, about uh, 80 feet difference in elevation between the lawn and this location. And the water table, you know, denoted by the uh, existing stream and stormwater needs, is very high. So that it's uh, still a very similarly scaled green, but it's a very different green. So the other key component to making this connectivity, remember that's kind of the, uh, one of the highest priorities for us, the, um, to reduce the reliance on the single-use automobile, is this, was this whole uh, of the athletics area. As if you recall from that diagram, that connected connectivity diagram that I showed. So this is the uh, view. This is, again, the Ivy Corridor and the garage looking from the opposite direction. This was the Cavalierian. And uh, this is, was U-Haul and Honesty in the Cage. And one of those things we talked about is how do you weave this rational network of pathways through this area? So I'm jumping to the long-term vision. We're not imagining this is going to be built you know, anytime uh, in the very near future. Hopefully, we'll be making steps in this direction. But the idea is that we weave a series of pathways through this area. So from the Ivy Corridor and the garage, we have a couple of pathways over the tracks that go north-south and then also east-west. This is existing Welsh indoor practice facility. This is existing uh, Goodwin Bridge that crosses Emmett Street. We're, looking, uh, we're hoping to have a plaza that connects to an athletics promenade that then connects uh, what we affectionately term the Park of Parks up here, which are the competition venues. And then strengthen Massey Road as an entry and an exit from the university connecting up to the bypass. So the first step in getting to this vision 
was the uh, de de demolition of U-Haul, uh, which happened last spring. Uh, we moved all these, even though it wasn't being used as the basketball arena that it was purposely built for, uh, there were still a lot of sports, we call them the Olympic sports, uh, were moved out of U-Haul and into these modular units, which we are referring to as the training grounds. And so the first step in this uh, process will be the construction of grass practice fields for football. Because what that will enable us to do eventually is build the football operations building adjacent to Welsh, which is the indoor practice facility, on the artificial turf uh, field that's right adjacent to it, and then build uh, the athletics complex along Massey Road opposite JPJ, and then allow us to uh, turn what is now training grounds into a lacrosse and um, soccer practice field. So this is the interim step that we're now working towards. This was the view last spring before the demolition of U-Haul, and this is the view that hopefully we'll have uh, this coming summer for the football team to practice on these two new practice fields. And you see uh, the training grounds in the distance. This is a computer rendering, by the way. So if a picture's worth a 1,000 words, I'm going to go through a couple of these before and afters uh, pretty quickly just to show the vision for what would happen when, when you come over the Goodwin Bridge. This is currently what you're faced with. Uh, oops, sorry, went too fast. This is, um, and this is the view. If you come over the Goodwin Bridge, you end up uh, landing on a plaza. This is the stair that goes down to Emmett Street. And there's, uh, this would be a plaza that would direct you to the athletics promenade with JPJ in the distance. This is the view now you get when you cross Goodwin Bridge. You have to weave your way down through uh, all these uh, parking lots right? if you want to get over here. It's not an ideal uh, um, situation for our students or any pedestrians, frankly. And then this is the proposed view for the athletics promenade, which would go through and under a bridge between the football operations building and the uh, athletics complex across the street from JPJ and Massey Road. And this promenade, that image was taken from right here, this promenade would continue all the way to, again, the Park of Parks, which includes Davenport Stadium, uh, Klockner and Lanigan, and uh, as of January, will include the softball stadium, which is currently under construction. So this is the view now you would get at the end of that promenade, and this is our proposal for seeing uh, what softball stadium will look like in that corner. This is the view in the direction of home plate, and this was uh, a construction photo just taken a couple of uh, weeks ago where you can see the uh, canopy over the uh, grandstand. It's going to be quite lovely. And this is the view now from the grandstand looking out towards the mountains without U-Haul, uh, which would, would have previously blocked it. And so we hope you'll be there on opening day in March, beginning of March, because not only uh, will it be a spectacular um, Stadium, but it also will mark the 40th anniversary of softball at the university. Wow. I know. Thank you. Yes. So this is uh, our rendering of. Sorry. 
This is our rendering of what uh, the stadium looks like, making that edge along Massey Road. Again, we're always trying to make better the pedestrian experience and the street and sidewalk experience, and how the uh, stadium is really nestled into the topography. And the corner, uh, before construction began, at Copley and Massey Roads, looking southwest, and what it currently looks like now. So we are uh, moving forward with completion. It will be completed in January. The team will be moving in uh, and starting that practice for their first home game in March. And all of this, I keep wanting to stress, is the idea of making these pulse nodes, if you will, uh, to make this walk and make this connected with the Ivy Corridor being in the center between central grounds and north grounds and enabling essentially a 10-minute walk between, e between each of these dots to allow students to you know, move to north grounds and, and back. So I could go on forever. <laughs> I won't. Um, but I just wanted to show you a little sampling of some of the projects. I won't have time to go into detail now, but again, happy to come back at another date. One of the projects is the um, new addition for Alderman Library to replace the stacks, which are really this kind of impenetrable bunker right now on uh, University Avenue, with a much more open, welcoming, bright uh, addition, which will also include the stacks, but also include a lot of um, uh, student space, study space, and will most importantly have terraces that open down onto University Avenue, making it much more welcoming for the community to come into the building, which obviously, as you know, currently does not happen. Or the Musculoskeletal Center, which is on Ivy Road. This is the Ivy Mountain Musculoskeletal Center, which is a comprehensive orthopedics hospital, which you may see under construction on Ivy Road right off the bypass or the Contemplative Commons, which is, will be uh, an academic building unlike any other at um, UVA, which will be constructed on the parking lot adjacent to our beautiful Dell and will, be act, and will act as a beacon, more or less, for uh, Emmett Street when it's constructed, which will also include an accessible bridge. If you know the bridge at Ruffner from Newcomb, it's not accessible. There are steep stairs on either end, which you know, precludes a lot of people from using it. So uh, this building will include an accessible uh, bridge which will connect Newcomb all the way to old dorms. Or finally, our, our recently, almost finally constructed hospital. They're fitting out the upper uh, bed tower floors, which is uh, one of those buildings in the category of I hope you see, but hope you don't need to visit. So finally, I just want to end with one uh, project, which is much smaller in scale, but uh, will have a major impact for the university, which is the Memorial to Enslaved Laborers. This project started almost 10 years ago, uh, and it was fueled by a student-led uh, competition. It was a student initiative that started this project um, that uh, we needed to come to grips with our, with our past. And so I just want to show you, this is an uh, engraving from, 19, from 1827, and it's one of the few images we have that shows an enslaved worker uh, on the lawn. 
This student-led initiative led President Sullivan to form the President's Commission on Slavery at the University, the PCSU. And um, the PCSU had a lot of recommendations, but one of those recommendations, and by the way, the report, which is a fascinating report, was published last year if you want to look that up. But one of those recommendations was to develop a physical memorial uh, to the enslaved at the university. And so uh, in 2016, we hired uh, a design team which was composed of architects and engagement faculty and historians. It was a really remarkable team whose uh, process was really part and parcel of this, of this project. So for the first six months or so, there was no pen to paper. We went out into the community, we listened, we conducted surveys online, we were, um, uh, had open forums, and finally when we did start drawing, uh, the drawings were really uh, over three sites. They developed two, um, two concepts for each site so that we were not sold on any one particular site or, any, or one particular design. And finally, uh, we, have a, we had a design that we brought to the Board of Visitors in uh, 2017, I believe. And it's really the process that has uh, you know, marked us uh, uh, as a university and, and has um, enabled other universities and other institutions dealing with their own uh, difficult past to, find, to ask us what our process was. So... The um, not only uh, is the is the memorial itself a place, a gathering place, but that it's part it has been designed as being part of a ritual uh, with the city of Charlottesville that uh, will happen. There, there's a walk that happens, a Freedom and Liberation Day on uh, March 3rd, um, that was that was uh, charged by the city council and called uh, Liberation Day on March 3rd. And this will be part of the ritual walk that starts downtown at the auction, the slave auction block at um, the city county court, walks along Main Street, and has uh, gone to UVA. So the Freedom Ring, when it uh, is constructed, will be part of this ritual. And it was one of these photographs uh, that was taken on one of the first walks that gave us the name for uh, our memorial. So the memorial itself is, will be, is being constructed on the Triangle of Grass, just southeast of Brooks Hall. And the two pathways that are tangent to this, one is uh, it aligns with the North Star, which the, enslaved, the freed enslaved followed on their path to freedom. And it's also, we are, we are told, aligns with uh, sunset on Liberation Day on March 3rd. The memorial itself uh, encompasses the idea of a clearing, a gathering space, and also in, in, uh, utilizes water as a symbolic um, uh, uh, idea of rebirth as part of the memorial. And the form itself is, is based upon the broken shackle of the slave as well as the more joyful ring shout. And so the design uh, here is a series of interlocking and layered rings that allow for gathering, liberation, honoring the enslaved uh, in the writing of their names on the wall, and um, the idea of the artwork that, that is on the exterior of the memorial, which will act at a variety of scales. And so this was the site 
previous to uh, the beginning of construction at the Triangle of Grass. You can see Brooks Hall in the distance. And this was our rendering showing the memorial situated. It, it also uses the topography to be nestled into the topography of the site uh, and acts as a clearing. We'll be planting these trees around uh, the memorial. And you can just make out the eyes of Isabella Gibbons, who's one of the real success stories. She was an uh, emancipated slave who became a school teacher, and she and her husband raised a family in Charlottesville. And Gibbons House is one of our student dormitories named after her. And so, I don't know if you can make out the, uh, her eyes. This is the uh, status of the construction at the moment, but uh, it's quite beautiful to see the eyes from a distance. And as it comes up, uh, as you come upon the memorial, it's very textural, and you start losing the, uh, the eyes, but you start seeing the names on the interior of the memorial. So this was one of our renderings showing uh, the 4,000 or so memory marks that we're calling the, the gashes in the wall that denote all the enslaved that worked here at the university and the 973 or so names will be carved on these walls. Uh, we'll have a timeline of the history of slavery at the university which will be inscribed in this granite bench and the granite is uh, locally uh, quarried stone that is called Virginia Mist, which is also found in the pavers of the rotunda. So there's a lot of uh, dualities in the meanings here. And the thin scrim of water will be going over the timeline almost is this uh, re redemptive um, symbolism. And this is the, uh, a recent construction photo of uh, the interior of the of memorial. You can see the um, some of the gashes and some of the, the uh, names. We call the gashes memory marks. And finally, an aerial uh, of what this will look like off of uh, the brick walk, uh, the gathering space in the clearing of trees, and a recent photograph of uh, the project under construction. So this memorial will be dedicated April 11th. We hope you'll be there for that as well. It'll be quite a moving day. And finally... All I have to say after this <laughs> is go Hoos. How do I do? I'm happy to take any questions if uh, anybody has any. Got one right here up front. Are there any plans for the site that is across the street from the old Cavalier Inn that the motel burned down? We do not own that property. So there are plans. Um, there is a, uh, you know, the hotel owner is redeveloping the site uh, for the Gallery Court Hotel. Uh, he got uh, approval from the city council for um, a special use permit, so there'll be a relatively tall tower on that site. But we do not own that. Uh, we're, today is a football game. Yes. In the springtime, there's going to be lacrosse games, Speaking. baseball games, and softball games. Back here. Thank in, you. In the springtime, there's going to be softball games, lacrosse games, and football, and uh, softball, lacrosse, and baseball. Parking. At, uh, at University Hall. Parking. Everything is being built on parking lots. Yes. Where are we supposed to park? <clears throat> I understand. 
And, <laughs> and every one of my colleagues at every university deals with this question. We have just completed uh, a comprehensive parking and transportation study, which looks at parking grounds wide. And we have two projects into the, um, in the, in the capital plan for two new parking garages, one that will be located on Fontaine, in Fontaine Research Park, and one that will be located in North Grounds. So we have maintained the 2,500 or so parking spaces uh, that we need for events, and we're moving things around. So for instance, there's a grassy, there was a grassy area in front of McHugh, um, which will now be paved and more parking will be, will be put there. Um, but that is one of the issues that we are keenly aware of. Um, and in all of those master plans, we never reduce the amount of event parking, um, even as we build on those parking lots. So the question is if we have more sports venues. The only new sports venue is softball, which existed up at the park. So we're working with athletics in their scheduling as well, and they're very well aware that you can't have everything all the time full on. And it's not the sports venues that are the problem, actually. It's the events that happen at, JP, at JPJ. It's the concerts. So if there's ever you know, a concert with uh, you know, something else that is a major event, that the, then those are those problems. But we're, we're always taking into consideration when we're doing things. So for instance, the 1200 car garage at Emmett Ivy will not be turned over to the Emmett Ivy development just you know, right away. We're phasing those out. So we are looking at where to move cars. But it is a trade-off. You know, we have uh, events right in the middle of areas where you want walkability and you want student safety and you don't want to just keep spreading further and further out. So we are taking all those things in, into consideration. Hi. Hi. Um, you mentioned the UVA Hotel. I had um, previously worked at George Mason University that had Mason Inn that was fiscally not viable, lost millions of dollars a year, and was closed. Right. Um, I'm curious how we can avoid the same pitfalls, either marketing or architecturally, to ensure that that hotel stays relevant, used, and is fiscally solvent. Thank you. Um, that's an excellent question. J.J. Davis, who's our new COO, was the uh, financial person over at George Mason, so she, in particular, has been very <laughs> focused on this. Um, we have done, uh, with our Un University of Virginia Foundation, we've done um, numerous marketing studies and looking at the average daily rate to make sure that we do have uh, a viable business there. It's, you know, Mason's Hotel was kind of in the middle of things. This is right in the center of things. I mean, it, the middle of things in the middle of campus, right? This is much more about uh, a very accessible place. I received numerous, I mean, many, many phone calls from alums when we took the Cavalier Inn down saying, you know, this is an incredible site. Why are you doing this? We stay there all the time. Well, people stayed there not because it was a great stay, right, but because it was convenient and it was right in the middle of things. So we don't want to go into this uh, foolishly. So we are um, we're going to have a separate hotel operator uh, who is very experienced in management because we as a university, you know, it's not our core business. 
So although the university will be building the hotel, the foundation will be managing it, and they've hired an outside operator as well. So tell all your friends and family, come stay at the hotel. Thanks very much for your presentation. Um, I was just wondering, is there any pushback from the historic preservation aspect of the architectural firm about modernizing but still keeping you know, the integrity of the academical village? For example, Brandon Avenue just looked very modern, lots of green space, which is great, but then you sort of lose you know, the original charm of the small footprint of the university. Yeah. Well... So we keep the small footprint of the university. We're very protective about the UNESCO World Heritage Site. And every question gets debated ad infinitum, as you can imagine, from the color of the columns to the construction of accessibility ramps. So everything is done very mindfully. As you move out from the core, uh, you know, it's hard to relate to the, our students as well when we design neoclassical buildings. Right? So uh, I think there's an intent to, to maintain um, a certain proportion and a certain relationship to landscape and keep all those things that we love about the lawn as we move farther out. We're not designing all glass buildings, for instance, right, as it moves farther out. But we do want more transparency. I think the idea of having a difference from the lawn as opposed to extending you know, Erzatz Jeffersonian architecture strengthens the core as opposed to diluting it. Now, I will say that there's an exception to that, um, which is the addition to Alderman Library. Alderman Library is, you know, within that historic center, and it was right, it's right next to the rotunda, and that, in my opinion, was not a place to deviate from the architectural language. So we hired uh, an excellent architect, HBRA, from, uh, from Chicago. And we are, we're building a, you know, building that is uh, sympathetic to the existing historic alderman. While there will, obviously, you'll see some differences. There's going to be a lot more glass than you would have had um, uh, originally. But it is a reinterpretation of the north elevation of historic alderman library. So I think it's a question of where we build these buildings and uh, the relationship to the historic core. But it's, we're very mindful about looking at the grounds overall and understanding the value of that historic core as you move out. I'm uh, curious to know whether, whether and what might be going on in planning for university holdings of undeveloped land thinking specifically, for example, of the Hayward Farm, which I think is a couple of hundred acres uh, that was bequeathed to the university, but I'm sure there are other spots, such uh, undeveloped spots. Uh, that's a re- uh, great question. So that's Foxhaven, uh, and we have other holdings like Blue Ridge, um, many, many acres, uh, and Morven Farms, etc. Those are many of those parcels are held by the University of Virginia Foundation. We just completed uh, a study and, uh, with um, the Urban Land Institute, and we're going to be embarking on an overall study of our land holdings and how they tie into the strategic the university's strategic plan. So the direct answer to your question is there are no plans at the moment for any of, for any of those parcels. And again, those are parcels that were acquired further out from the university. 
what our main focus has been is building closer into the core and identifying those redevelopment zones. So I will say that those parcels like Foxhaven and Blue Ridge and Morven are being looked at, but there's no specific plans at the moment. I read about um, what was described as uh, not um, not insignificant gaps in funding for some of the uh, nexuses on Emmett Ivy. What's the plan for that? Uh, well, I think the only I'm I'm not quite sure what. Um, not insignificant gaps means, but there are plans for the creative arts nexus, for instance, which is dependent upon philanthropy. <clears throat> At the moment, there, there is not uh, a plan for that, but the School of Data Science is fully funded. Uh, that is philanthropy-driven, and um, the Hotel and Conference Center is being um, paid for by the university through debt financing, and there's a, a robust business plan for that. So... Was there a particular project you had in mind? The so, yeah, the creativity nexus is philanthropy driven and that does not have funding yet. We're hoping that it will. Yes. Oh. Yes, uh, multiple choice. Um, uh, do you have any remorse of uh, painting a nice copper dome white? Um, do you have any notions about. Um, the Leonard Sandridge access, will that be both north and south access? Now it's only pretty much in the northerly direction to get on the bypass. Do I have a third question? And a third? Um, since most of orthopedics at Fontaine is moving to the old Kluge Children's site, Ivy Mountain, the future of Fontaine. And thanks for your presentation. Thank you. So the answers are no, yes, and no. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't have regrets about painting the uh, beautiful copper dome white. That was uh, the intent all along, and thankfully it was done before I arrived. <laughs> so I didn't even really have to opine about that. Uh, yes, I think the one-way interchange at Leonard Sandridge and uh, Massey Road, uh, uh, sorry, and the bypass, is um, one of those things I would love to study that's off the record. Right? There are no plans to do that, but uh, that would really, that's the nut to unlock all the traffic, both at Ivy Road and North Grounds. Imagine, you know, everybody going to North Grounds, it's a one-way loop, right? I could give a whole presentation just on North Grounds and show you the traffic studies, that everything goes in and has to come back out, right? So that would be a great nut to unlock, and not... Um, again, this was before my time. I hear not so great things about the Western Bypass. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about completing the interchange. Uh, and your third question was Ivy Mountain. So, uh, Ivy, so a couple of years ago, we did an integrated space plan, which was a strategic space, space plan for the health system, which looked at all the aging facilities in the West Complex and all the ambulatory clinics and determined that it would be great if we could remove a lot of uh, those clinics and research spaces from uh, the West Complex, which is down at the intersection of you know, Main Street and JPA, and move them to, to Fontaine, in order to be, where there's lots of parking, great access. In order to do that, we had to start moving things out of Fontaine, 
uh, and the orthopedics department was spread out in Fontaine and also you know, needed major upgrades. So we designed the Ivy Mountain Musculoskeletal Center, which will be kind of a one-stop shop for all of the orthopedics, and that will free up a lot of space uh, in Fontaine, which, would then, which will then allow the decanting of West Complex uh, to Fontaine. So it's a bit of a, you know, a multiple move. But the facilities at, Orth- at Ivy Mountain will be quite spectacular. Um, and they'll be, it's not a, it's not a hospital. It's a 23-hour um, bed facility, essentially. Not bed. 23-hour recuperative facility. One final fast question. Uh, One final fast question. Uh, thank you. Uh, re- regarding the bond project, did you look at vehicular access the required vehicular access to those buildings being somewhere other than around the plaza, which is, you mentioned, is pretty much geared to pedestrians and bicycles and having this ring road around it? Um, did we look at other options? Yeah, from the, the rears of the buildings or somewhere other than oh, that front plaza. I see what you mean. Um, well, so Brandon Avenue was a one-way, was a, um, a dead-end street. Right? It, it ended at the 400 block, and it was a city street. So you went down, you circled around, you came back. So we did not really change that access because now you just, it's a one-way loop around the green median. But all the parking uh, is accessed on the west side of the street from uh, Brandon Avenue and around to the back. But for the east side, it's accessed from Monroe Lane. So if you want to park at the um, Student Health and Wellness Center or access Bond House, you're coming down Monroe Lane and accessing the podium parking underneath the building. So to the question about parking, I know athletics is slightly different, but there was a lot of parking on Brandon Avenue, but because it is topographically like a ridge, we're able to uh, create podium parking underneath the buildings and tuck it under without... um, you know, without uh, affecting the, the parking count for that area. So does that answer your question? Somewhat. Okay. <laughs> see, me, see me afterwards. Okay. Well, uh, I want to thank Alice Voucher for speaking for Lifetime Learning today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you all. We've got a raffle drawing if you want to uh, do the honors.